Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. This is America. With your host, Rich Valdez. All right, America, we are here, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden. Well, maybe not, but we're here. Lots going on. There's coronavirus outbreaks and craziness. Nothing really happening here in the United States because I think President Trump has done an excellent job containing it, putting together this task force. I think you've heard it. Wall-to-wall coverage. The Democrats are coming at him saying it's his fault. All but have said he made it. Ridiculous. Not going to get into that. But I think what I keep seeing as I scroll through my Twitter at Rich Valdez with an S, Rich Valdez with an S, I keep seeing debate, debate. And more debate. Clips from the debate the other night where good old Quid Pro Joe and all the other cast of characters were saying things, oftentimes distorting the facts. And facts are so critical in our day and age and what we do, analyzing politics and commenting on the news. That's why I always go to JustFacts.com. That's F-A-C-T-S, JustFacts.com, because they use primary source data and they look at all of the issues Not just the political stuff. They actually stay away from political stuff and look at actual issues like what's going on with immigration. What are the what's the crime rate with immigration? So check them out and sign up for their newsletter. Tell them I sent you. Go to justfacts.com slash rich. The other morning I was getting my coffee in my car. A friend of mine sends me a text and says, hey, are you listening to The Breakfast Club? I said, no, I'm not. They were like, check it out. Homegirl's on there. Of course, by homegirl, we're talking about our favorite congresswoman from the District 14 in New York, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And she was on The Breakfast Club saying lots of different things. And I, I, I tweeted a few things that I thought were funny. It really, I mean, I laugh initially because that's my, you know, it's that whole, uh, wow, I can't believe that. That's, does she really believe that? That's funny. But then when the other people on the show sit there and agree with her, I think to myself, well... I have to listen. I mean, if that many people can sit there and think, hmm, this stuff is really, really good, then maybe we should all listen to this conversation. And I was checking out the Bongino Report earlier, and Bongino Report's a great place to get up-to-speed headlines, BonginoReport.com. And the headline was Gallup Poll. Three out of four Democrats support socialism. Now, last week, just about six days ago, when I was hosting the Mark Levin Show, and you know what? You should check out that show. I think it was a good show. We had some excellent callers on there. A little ADD moment for me. But just to switch back to that, the, some of those callers, and they were talking about socialism. We had callers from, that were born in Nicaragua and lived in Venezuela and had guns pointed at them. We had a caller from Denmark, Denmark, where Bernie Sanders absolutely loves Denmark. And we had a Dane call in who served in the Danish military and told really a fascinating story. And, of course, 
others that chimed in on that conversation about socialism. So definitely check that out at MarkLevinShow.com. Give it a listen. Uh, let me know what you think. I'm at RichValdez.com, at RichValdez on Twitter. AOC is on The Breakfast Club, and she's talking about socialism. And she's trying to clear up the misconceptions about socialism. Listen to this. Can, can you dispel some of the... What are some of the misconceptions of democratic socialism? I think there's a lot of misconceptions. One is that there's a huge generational divide. Um, older people tend to think of democratic socialism through the lens of the Cold War, right? Like they think of communism, communism. and they think of all of these things. Younger people, I think um, our views on democratic socialism has have been really shaped in our political upbringing. And I think this is something that I try to communicate to people. The first time I ever voted in an election, when I turned 18, was for Barack Obama. Okay, so let's hang on for a second. I think that explains a lot. If you come, I mean, it explains a lot for me, right? As a kid, my first exposure to politics was through Reagan, a very patriotic president, in many ways, like the president we have now. Both of these guys were chronic flag huggers. This is what I adopted. I love the flag. I get choked up when I hear an excellent rendition of God Bless America, God Bless the USA, and of course, the Star Spangled Banner. It comes as no surprise. I love America. I was raised to love America. My parents loved America. So coming up in the age of Obama, where I'd say the most significant change we've seen from the mainstream of a country that was once center-right and made a huge lunge in the leftward direction, of course, those were the Obama years. So it explains a lot. But listen to AOC continue talking about this generational divide. And, and she says it as if it's something bad or odd. Isn't there a divide between you and your grandmother, you and your father? I mean, generations are divided. That's why they're generations. But let's continue. And now the people who voted for Barack Obama at the youngest possible age that they could vote for him, now we're in our 30s. And so the last 10 years, our entire adult political lives have been shaped by the discourse. And so since the time I was 18 years old, um, Republicans and you know people at large have called healthcare socialist, public education socialist. Right, let's stop they right there. Now, this is straight up propaganda, right? She's trying to say that Republicans have called healthcare socialist. I have in my life have never heard of healthcare being called socialist. I've heard of socialized healthcare being called socialist, government run healthcare. Now, of course, people want to debate with you all the time and they want to say, well, Rich, hold on a second. We've got socialism everywhere. Look around. Oh, look around. We have roads. Roads are not socialism, man. Come on. People buy into this stuff. We literally elect people on these platforms of saying we're going to improve infrastructure. Improving infrastructure, providing services that are very basic to me, doesn't equate to socialism. We've seen socialism. Now, people may want to argue that. Good, good for you. Good luck. Everybody knows what European socialism looks like. Everybody knows that this is what flows down from the Communist Manifesto. There is no socialism but for Marx. Without Karl Marx, you got nothing. So they can sit there and spin this no matter how they like to say that education is socialist. Sure, if, if you want to call it that. I mean, it's a public good. 
compulsory education, public education. I get it. I concede the point. But the point is, most people, I, I do not believe, most people would vote against public education. And the reason I say that is because as a homeowner living in a town in Jersey, back in, let's say, 2006, 2007, 2008, whenever there was an increase to the school budget, there was a referendum. And the citizens always came out and voted in support of spending more money for these schools. There was always a handful of people that fought against it, saying, where's that money going to go? Who's it going to pay for? Are we hiring more teachers, giving them more money because of this or because of that? Or is it actually going to get to the student? Again, debatable. But the point is, people buy into these things. If we had this type of initiative and referendum for socialized medicine, for Medicare for all, do we think people would come out and vote for just that initiative? I don't think they would. And I think we're going to see that. We're going to see if Bernie Sanders is the nominee. We're going to see if America says, you're right, I don't care about my employer's health insurance program. I don't care about any of that stuff. I just want to spend more money so that more people, including illegal immigrants, illegal aliens in this country, illegally, so that they can benefit from my hard-earned tax dollars and my payments into our system. I think she's dead wrong. But let's uh, finish with her. Systems that the rest of the modern developed world has, like universal health care, um, paid family leave, tuition-free public colleges and universities, all of those things are called socialist or democratic socialism. But for me, it you know, while some people say, oh, this comes from like Karl Marx and all of these things. That would be me. My political ideology has really come from people in the American tradition like Howard Thurman, Martin Luther King, even Albert Einstein was a democratic socialist. All right, so let's stand by. I don't know this guy Thurman. I don't know if he makes deli meat or not. What I do know is that Martin Luther King and Albert Einstein were two people that had nothing to do with government. Two guys that were not Congress people. One was a preacher that fought for civil rights. He coalesced people. He created these coalitions. And he went out there and he made a change, a change for the better in this country. That's not what AOC does. AOC gets paid by tax dollars to go out there and do this stump speech. Not what Martin Luther King did. Now, Albert Einstein, let's talk about innovation. Let's talk about capitalism. This is him. This is Albert Einstein. She can call him a Democrat socialist all she wants. The guy was an innovator. James Baldwin. Um, all of these folks come from a tradition of critique of this obsession with money and profit and capital at all human and environmental costs. The human and environmental costs we have right now, this brings me back to AOC, all out crazy, AOC, aliens over citizens, making that choice, choosing illegal aliens over citizens when she said, let's abolish ICE. So she wants to abolish ICE. She thinks that this does not affect, let's use her words, human cost. Tell that to my last guest, Daria Ortiz. The human cost for her family was her 92-year-old grandmother who was murdered, beaten, and raped by a criminal illegal alien. How's that for human cost, AOC? The congresswoman from the 14th District loves to talk. Hey, and so do I. She loves to talk. But oftentimes, her opinions are so misguided. She talks about 
an obsession with money and profit and capital at all human and environmental cost. It seems to me that her policies are killing more people than any of the policies I support. It seems to me that socialized medicine, healthcare is a right, and Bernie Sanders, and that whole scam, that's going to have a human cost to it. When an old person can't use capitalism to get themselves the best doctor, when an old person can't use capitalism to, to use a private insurer that may cover better to go to a better hospital, that sounds to me like a human cost. And not because of Republicans, like she's saying, but because of her, because of her communist grandfather, Bernie Sanders. Bolshevik Bernie is going to burn this thing down. We cannot let it happen. You're listening to This Is America. I'm Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez on Twitter. Keep it locked right there. We'll be right back. This is America. Wepa. All right. Welcome back, America. This is Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here in New York City. And, of course, I am riffing on the news of the day. Hear that? That's classic El Rush Bell right there. I've got this paper in front of me, and I'm looking at some of this audio. These are highlights selected by none other than the super producer himself of Mark Levin fame, Mr. Producer Rich Samantha from the BX. Say hi. Hello, Richard. There you go. I said that because he's got this really cool microphone right in front of him. But check this out. They squared off again for yet another debate. And Quid Pro Joe was at it again. He has saved millions of lives from the Ebola virus. Now, what's interesting about that is during the Obama administration, I was the director of special operations for Project Veritas, working with James O'Keefe. Big shout out to James O'Keefe, O'Kizzle, my nizzle. We put together one day this, this, uh, this project, right? We did a video, an investigation on Ebola. What we wanted to do as a follow-up to the story that we did, and for those of you guys that follow uh, Project Veritas, you might remember when James dressed as Osama bin Laden and crossed the Rio Grande River from Mexico into Texas. We wanted to do the same thing from Canada into the United States and in flashy, flamboyant style, like literally dressed as a jihadist, like a ninja, nothing but your eyes showing black from head to toe, and bags biohazard medical waste bags that said Ebola on them. So it was my task to make this happen as the producer. So I hired an actor. He went into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with these bags. He then went, chartered a boat, and went straight from Cleveland to Canada, and then right back. It was that easy. When the news found out about this, One of the Coast Guard leaders made a comment and said, yeah, yeah, sounds about right. It's definitely possible. All of that happened during the Obama administration. This whole Ebola craziness. People did die. There was illness. There was lots of things going on. But yet, here comes sleepy, creepy grandpa Quid Pro Joe. And he says he's saved millions of lives from the Ebola virus. Listen to this from... CBS News. 
We reached a turning point today with the CDC, warning schools that they must prepare, that they might have to close. Members of the Trump administration saying we don't have enough medical masks if necessary. What would you do? What we did with Ebola, I was part of making sure that pandemic did not get to the United States, saved millions of lives. And what we did, we set up, I helped set up that office in the presidency, in the president's office on on diseases that are pandemic diseases. We increased the budget of the CDC. We were, we increased the NIH budget. We should, if I'm president today, and he's wiped all that out. We did it. We stopped it. And the second thing I point out to you is that what I would do immediately is restore the funding. He cut the funding for CDC. He tried to cut the funding for NIH. He cut the funding for the entire effort. We, 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 we. You would think Grandpa Joe Biden is a Frenchman. All this we, we, we. Look, everybody wants to take credit for everything they've done. All I can say is this. The news is pushing hard. I don't know why, but they're pushing hard. As far as I know, we have not had thousands of deaths related to the coronavirus. As far as I know, I have not been infected with the coronavirus. In fact, I'm willing to predict with this super healthy diet that I keep, I will be around for at least another year without getting Ebola, without getting coronavirus. I say that quite confidently. Trump's had his hand on this from the beginning. He's a businessman. He knows what will cost him money, what will cost him political capital. These market depressions are not a good look for the president who's reigning over the best economy. So we're seeing this influx. There's some volatility. They go up, they go down. They go up, they go down. I'm pretty confident that if we needed to batten down the hatches and make a run for it, like my dad used to say, we would be hearing that. But we're not. We're not hearing that because there isn't this need for freakish alarm. Cogelo suave con bien tequerisi. Chill. But back to the debate. Listen to all of this craziness that went on at the debate. If you get nominated, we'll be relitigating this all year. Do what I ask. Look, first of all, let me go. We'd ask respectfully if you would all please try to keep to the time. So let's clear this up once and for all. Has gotten funding from over fifty billionaires for this whole campaign. Senator I don't know Klobuchar. where you got the impression. If you could yeah. honor the rules of the debate, thank you, Senator I, Sanders. You were allowed a quick response, and we would like to allow you to answer. Moderator, guys. Senator Sanders. Moderator. Is my turn? Moderator. Moderator. Denmark. Denmark. Healthcare is a right. Moderator. He is literally like a radio board. I feel like somebody presses buttons for this Bernie. And they're like, quick, quick, hit the one where he says, Denmark. Denmark. I find him to be hysterically funny. Let's move on. So we go from Bolshevik Bernie to Bolshevik Bloomberg. Yes, Bolshevik Bloomberg has some deep, deep pockets. And just like El Trompito admitted during his debates that, well, of course, I bought Hillary Clinton. I bought this one. I bought that one. Huge. He was very honest about it. He said that's how business rolls. Bloomberg tried to pull a page from the Trumpster's playbook but it didn't quite fly right for him. 
It actually just exposed him to be a, like a, a purveyor of fine swamp creatures. Listen to this. Let's just go on the record. They talk about 40 Democrats. 21 of those were people that I spent $100 million to help elect. <laughs> the, all of the new Democrats that came in and put Nancy Pelosi in charge and gave the Congress the ability to control this president, I, bought, I, I got them. <laughs> I bought, I, I got them. I bought, I, I got them. That's what he just said. Looking at the transcript. Mike Bloomberg literally just talked about buying people. It's. I find that there's this, a real difference. When Trump says that he paid off this politician and paid off that politician, it was literally for the sake of politics. It was literally for the sake of him doing business. Mike Bloomberg, because of the context that we have of him saying, they're either a young black or young Latino man. Just throw them up against the wall. You get the guns. Because we know of all these things that he said, it really makes you think when he says, I bought. that He literally believes. He just said he spent $100 million. Confession from me here, folks. I don't even know how to count to $100 million. And he spent that many dollars. Let that sink in. Mike Bloomberg is exactly what's wrong with politics today. And I'm not talking about rich people in politics or even money in politics. It's this elitism that's in politics, this belief that I know better than you, where it's not about we the people. Trump can be a lot of things and he can grab them by the you know what. But one thing that Trump nails every single time, he knows how people think. This is why when he says, hey, come hang out with me at whatever stadium, he fills up the stadium and the parking lot. He understands Americans. He has employed people. He understands their plight. He understands what they go through, what people go through as business owners, as a parent, as a person. That is the key. That's the key. Trump identified disaffected people. In his example, the Rust Belt. Very similar to the Obama strategy where he identified disaffected people. African-Americans that felt disenfranchised. When you can bring new voters into the mix, you're going to score in politics. When you're one more of the same, you're exactly that. You're just more of the same. Mike Bloomberg is more of the same. Mike Bloomberg is Bernie Sanders with a dose of capitalism and two doses of elitism. So look, I get just as frustrated as you do with these characters. Because if it's not one thing, it's another. They make stuff up. They make mistakes. It's like, come on, man. Are you running for president of the local comedy club or president of the United States? Now, listen, I admit that I don't know how to count to 100 million. And in all honesty, I've never tried. But I'll tell you who does know how to count that high. Sleepy, creepy Joe Biden quid pro Joe himself. And apparently... Half of our population has been wiped out by gun violence because he's Joe Biden and he's running for Senate. Oh, wait, nah. But listen to this one anyway. But my friend and my right and others have, in fact, also given to the gun manufacturers absolute immunity. Imagine if I stood here and said we give immunity to drug companies. We give immunity to tobacco companies. That has caused carnage on our streets. 150 million people have been killed since 2007 when Bernie voted to exempt the gun manufacturers from liability. Wow. All I can say is, man, I've got Google. 
<laughs> I've read a few history books. Joe Biden served in Congress as long as Rich Cementa and Rich Valdez have been alive. Maybe a little longer. He was there when the tobacco people got their golden parachute. He was there. He's been there forever. For him to say these things just so unabashed, it's literally like, I think you're stupid. Here's stupid and here's dumb. Hey, guys, I'm Joe. I'm running for the Senate. I mean president. And he just thinks that saying things over and over, just like his friend with the little button, healthcare is a right. If you say the same thing over, you try to brainwash these people. But at some point, they have to realize people are real. We do go to work. We have to spend money. We buy groceries. We do stuff. We know how to read. Although Bernie thinks the Cuban system is the best system. Kill everybody, get rid of the gays, lock everybody up, take everybody's money, and then let's teach them how to read. I'll pass on that one. I'm passing on Bolshevik Bernie. Passing on full of baloney Joe Biden. I'm passing on Mayor, whatever his name is. And I'm definitely taking a hard pass on Bloomy. That sounds like a little wordplay right there. But okay, I'll leave that alone. Anyway, I leave you with this thought. If you have access to the internet or C-SPAN, make sure you tune in tomorrow. At noon, I'm going to be on C-SPAN or on the live stream for CPAC 2020. We're going to be talking about keeping America safe, immigration, how to control our borders, and so much more. This is a panel that I'm sitting on with Deneen Borelli, Congressman Andy Biggs, Chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, and none other than General Ken Cuccinelli former Attorney General of Virginia, who's now the Director of Immigrations and Citizenship Services. Again, that's tomorrow at the Conservative Political Action Conference, CPAC, Friday, February 28th, 12 noon. Try not to miss it. Let me know how my hair looks. You can tweet us on Twitter, at Rich Valdez with an S, and of course, at Rich Cementa, also with an S. TheRichValdez.com is our website, RichValdez.com. As always, I tell you, if you stand for nothing, you're going to fall for everything. And in the great words of Sir Edmund Burke, the only thing necessary for evil to thrive is for good people like you to do absolutely nothing. So go out and do something. Until the next one, America, I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.